0: You're going to pray for you tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to be in your house. God, we thank you for Easter. But God, as a child of God, Easter is every day because, God, we celebrate the resurrection. God, we thank you that, God, it wasn't an event. Come on. It was an experience. And Easter is an experience that we live every day. And we thank you for our friends and family that came. And we pray that you would continue to work on their hearts and lives and Bring them into the house and help us to lead them into the house. God, we just pray that, God, the way that we came in, God, we would leave completely changed. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, shout amen in the house. Come on, high-five someone around and say, man, you look like you've been losing some weight. There you go. Come on, that will make someone smile. You look like you've lost some weight since I've seen you last. Amen. I'm going to try and get you smiling somehow today. I want to finish our series on Mind the Gap. Say with me, Mind the Gap. During the month of March, we'd been looking at transitions. Pastor Pete started us off by explaining to us that God wants to take us from here to there, from where we're at to where he has planned and destined for us. My uncle Robert came in from Virginia Beach and remember he preached a message, Can These Burnt Stones Live? And how God wants to take our lives, no matter how broken they are. And God wants to transition us and heal us and use us to make a difference, to be a stone in the wall. Anyone with me on that? And then we looked at worry. Anyone remember about worry? We talked about transitioning from worry to peace or relationship with God. Because that's where you find true peace. I I just want to know. How many of you, I know countless times since I've preached that message, when I've begun to worry and worry began to come in, that's been the alarm clock and I've begun to pray. Is anyone with me on that? If you haven't, you need to do that. When you begin to worry, that's the alarm clock. Man, I need to start praying. And we give that to God. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about transitioning from unforgiveness into freedom, into life, into forgiveness that God has for us. And tonight I want to preach the last of this series, talking about transitioning from attendance to service. From just coming to church to really being the church. Instead of just showing up, helping serve other people, creating the opportunity for other people to experience what you have experienced in your life i had the opportunity on good friday to talk to a young man and i was able to bring him to the altar at the end of the service he asked me to pray for him and i brought him to the altar and we prayed and he was getting his life right and he was telling me in a nutshell his story and he was telling me about how everything of his life was keeping him away from church and he said these words and it really challenged me he said these words he said i realize not being in church i'm robbing myself and i'm robbing others Because that's the truth. I'm robbing myself from being here, but then I'm robbing other people because I should be here serving and helping and participating and helping to make a difference in other people. You see, here's the truth. Are you ready? This may not sound right. It may not be right. But there's something I came up with today. Is that okay? Church is not just for you, but you for others. Church is not just for you. How many are blessed in church? Amen. I'm blessed in church every time I come. But it's more than just me being blessed. It's me being a blessing. It's you for others. Me being a blessing for other people. I can hold a door open for someone. I can hold their kid. I can drive the bus. I can serve a coffee. I can do the words. If you can sing, if you can play. Come on, you need to be talking to us. Why? Because it's not just for you but how you can fit into other... If I had a dollar for every time someone said this to me, well, pastor, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to ask God. Well, you know what? I know the answer. Don't bother praying about something. I know the answer. And the answer is this. There's a need and God's looking to you to fill it. So really what your prayer needs to be is not, should I be involved? But God, where do I need to serve in my church, and what do I need to do? So here's the Mind the Gap Scripture. We're going to read it again. 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. I'm going to hold on to the pulpit because I love this Scripture. It says this, Dear Corinthians, come on, remember, put your name in there. Dear Bob, Sue, Sally, Jane, I cannot tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. We didn't restrict your life. We didn't limit your life. The smallness that you feel comes from who? Comes from within you. You aren't small. Come on, your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. Help us, Jesus. You ain't small, but you're living small. Come on, you got to hear that tonight. You ain't small, but you're living small. And Paul says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. He says, open up your lives so you can live openly and expansively. I love that scripture. I love that scripture. Why? Because that's what's possible for my life. That's what's possible for your life. That's not a dream. That's a reality. A reality of God. And tonight I want to show you how the transition from attending church to serving in church, I believe, is just as important as dealing with worry and unforgiveness and everything else that we've talked about the past month. And here's the reason why. Because if it only flows into you and it doesn't flow out of you, you're going to get stagnant and you're going to stink you're going to stink because it's got to flow through you. It can't just come to you. That's called the Dead Sea. It just comes in, but it doesn't go out. And I'm telling you, there's truth that you need to hear in your life. And really, the subject that I'm going to talk about tonight is really the principle of giving. Say with me, the principle of giving. A principle is a fundamental truth upon what other truths rely and there's a principle in giving that I believe that we need to see. And we're going to start from the beginning or from the very top. John three sixteen. You know this one. For God so loved the world that He, he gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What do we see in this verse? Because God gave the best, His Son, Every one of us now has the opportunity to live in the best. Do you see that? God gave his best. So now whoever believes in him, come on, you got everlasting life. Where's that? Heaven. That's the best that God has in store for you. But notice, something first had to be given, then it produced an awesome return. Without Jesus, there would be no true life. And living for any of us. So catch this tonight. Love and giving changed everything. Love and giving, God so loved, He gave. And from that love and out of His love changed everything. Do you agree with me? Everything changed. So now let's look at you and me. Those who confess... To know God and love God. That's who we're talking to tonight. And if you don't, we want you to come on a journey with us because we want you to know God. But if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, I know God and I love God. You've got to realize this. How he has now placed his love inside of you for a purpose. I want to show you God's purpose for your life. Are you ready? Point number one. God wants you to feel loved and God wants you to know love. That's salvation. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to be in love with Him, to feel His love, but more than that, to know His love. That confession that we talked about Sunday, I know God loves me. I know God has the best for me. I know God has a plan for my life. I know God will bring me through. You've got to know God's love, but it doesn't stop there. Because now, His purpose is this, that through you, You would give that love. So now I give that love to other people. And then what happens? It doesn't stop there. And then other people can experience His love. Do you notice the purpose that God has for your life? For you to find love, for you to give love, so other people can have the opportunity to receive God's love. If you would look in that purpose... You are the link between God and other people. You are the link between God and other people. So what are you saying, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. Your purpose is to make a difference. It's to make a difference in your life and in someone else's life. So how does that or how should that really look in our lives? I'm glad you asked and I'm glad that you're here because we're going to discover that today and we're going to look at James chapter 2 and verse 14. It says this, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but he does not have works? If we can stop for a moment because here's what I want you to do, every time... I say the word faith, I want you to shout out relationship. Can we try that? Faith. One more time. Faith. Okay, so let's read on. Are you ready? Listen. Can faith save him? What Paul is saying here is you've got to understand. He's talking about this. Can the kind of faith or relationship that you have save others? The implied answer is no. So let's read on. New Living Translation says this, Dear brothers and sisters, what is the use of saying that you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith cannot save anyone. Read on, verse 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you says to them, depart in peace. New Living Translation says, well, goodbye and God bless you. Be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. New Living Translation, listen real closely today. So you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It is dead and it is useless. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday. So let me just interject this thought real quick because I want to avoid any misunderstanding and confusion. We don't earn our salvation by works. But such actions from our life show That our commitment to God is real. Faith without works is dead. Relationship with God without works is not happening. It's dead. It's not going to change anyone and it's not going to change your life. But as a result of my faith or relationship in God, works will begin to come. And those works show that my commitment to God is real. It's the evidence of salvation. There's got to be fruit. Of salvation. Let me say that one more time. There's got to be fruit of salvation. If you're not changed since you've given your life to Christ, then you need to come back to the altar and give Him your life. Because I believe a change and a transformation comes in the moment you're saved. I didn't say you're perfect because God wants to sanctify us, and that's a process that He wants to clean us up and change us and some things. But I'm telling you, your salvation is immediate, and it is right there and right then. That there's a change that happens Inside of you. And you should be changing every day. Now jump down to verse 22 of James chapter 2. He says, Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. That word there is complete. So notice this. His faith was working together with his works. Working together. A practical harmony of or between a vertical faith in God and a horizontal work to a needy world. So what are you saying, pastor? True relationship and true faith is this. Are you ready? True faith is both spiritual and practical. It's not just a relationship with God because he says just having that and nothing else to show of it, you're dead. But your relationship with God must produce fruit in order for it to be a true relationship. So guess what? Your relationship with God is both spiritual and it's practical. And it has to be. Let me say it another way, because I want to make sure that you're getting this tonight. Look at this. Without the practical, the spiritual will just drive people away. Let that sink in for a second. If all you're doing is just preaching to people, preaching to people, preaching to people, preaching, 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 and they're not seeing any fruit, they're not seeing any love, they're not seeing any compassion, they're not seeing any grace, they're not seeing any of the love of God extended to them, you know what you're going to do? You're going to drive them. Why do most people today tell you they're not in church because of other church goers? We can't call them Christians. Come on, church goers. The reason they're not in church. So if it's just spiritual and there's no practical, we're going to drive people away. Come on, God hasn't called us just to preach the Bible. God has called us to reach the Bible. Amen? It's not just about preaching it. It's about living it. It's about being it. It's about putting into action what God's Word tells us to do. And where does all that start? All of that starts with or at relationship. Let me show you what I mean. Acts 3 verse 6. Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. Are you ready? And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Please notice the process here. He says, What I do have, what? I can give it. Because I have it, Now I can give it. And this is why God so generously wants to give to you for this reason that you in turn will give to other people. God wants to bless your life. God wants to give to you the blessings, the freedoms, the liberties. Why? Because He's looking to you to take that blessing, that freedom, that testimony that He's done in your life and share it with other people. And that's why God generously wants to give it to you. Because not just for you, so you in turn can touch. Remember, because you're the link between God and other people. Let me give you more scripture tonight. Malachi 3. Pete talked about this earlier. And don't worry, this is not going to be a big tithing speech. But I'm telling you, you need to see the principle of giving so you can make the transition from being an attender to serving in the house. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. The only way, as Pastor Pete spoke about earlier, the only way that you'll truly be able to test God is through relationship. Because if you're not in relationship with Him, you won't trust Him. You see that? If you're going to prove God and test God, You've got to know who you're proving and who you're telling. You've got to be in relationship with Him. And that's only possible, I really believe, through relationship with God. And God says, says the Lord of hosts, I will not open for you. Who? Come on, who? Amen. Those who through relationship obediently follow His instructions. That's what He's telling us. That's the you that He'll open the windows of heaven up. And he'll pour out such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it, to contain it, to have it. Never because God is a God of waste, but God is a God of surplus. Meaning what? He wants to give you a seed so you can sow it. And you can make a difference in someone else's life. So listen to me today. The principle of giving is bigger than just money. That's an aspect of giving. And I believe we should tithe. I believe that we should give God our first fruits. And the reason why is because God instructs us to do that. And there's definitely fruit that comes through being obedient to God. But it's bigger than just money. Come on, the fruit of your life, the principle of giving includes your life, your service, your time that you can give to God. Here's what I've proven in my life. Are you ready? If God can get it through you, He'll get it to you. If God knows He can get it through you, God's going to bless you. And God's going to give you more than you need. Why? Because He knows that you need to be reaching out and touching other people. That's trust both ways. Listen to me. That's trust both ways on that screen. What does it mean? Because if God knows, He can trust you. He'll give to you. But you know what else? You've got to trust God first and be obedient to His word. It works both ways. When I trust Him, He's going to be able to trust me. When He trusts me, I can trust. It works both ways in our life. And that's a picture of church that we see also in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44 and 45. It says this, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and they divided them amongst all as anyone had need. Notice please, it was a voluntary act of benevolence. It wasn't forced or required. But the people of that day willingly responded to the needs of those around them. And again, what a picture of true church. Because you know what true church is? Everyone playing their part with whatever they have to touch others. Everyone playing a part with what they have. Well, I don't have much. Hey, you can still play a part. Well, well I don't have a lot of talent. Well, what you have, you need to use. Because I'm telling you right now, what you don't use, you're going to lose. Here's another thing. that, If I had a dollar for every time I heard this. Well, pastor, if I had more to give... Pastor, if I had more time, Pastor, if I had more money, Pastor, if I had more energy, man, you can count on me, I would be there, I would do whatever it takes, Pastor. If God would just bless me and God would just give to me, then I'll... Here's the truth, are you ready? I'm not sure you would. Did you hear me right? Well, Pastor, if I had more, then I would. I'm not sure that you would. And here's the reason why I say that. If you can't give from a little, you're never going to give from much. If you can't give from where you're at, you're never going to give where you're going. Let's just make it simple. You ready? If you can't tithe on ten bucks, which is one dollar, You're never going to tithe $10 off $100. You're never going to tithe $100 off $1,000. You're never going to tithe $1,000 off $10,000. Why? Because if you're waiting for it to happen magically one day, it will never. God says, what do you have right now? It's the principle of giving. It's not waiting till I have. It's realizing what I already have. And being faithful and obedient with that. Human nature always says what? I want more. Human nature always looks for more. But I'm telling you right now, and here's the truth, and I believe this. Tonight, you already have more than enough available to be able to give to others. We're not just talking about money, remember? We have enough. In fact, you have more than enough available to give to others. That's the principle of giving. Every one of you has a smile that you can give. A friend of mine, John Norman, now a pastor of my old home church in England, him and Graham Hollinger, went to Nigeria for six months and taught kids as a mission. They taught them English, they were in a school. And they went to the church with these kids and they were amazed to see the poverty of these people. But when they watched as they passed the offering basket down the aisle, they couldn't believe to see some kids just looking in the offering basket and just smiling. And passed it by. They watched other kids that would grab a hair and pull it out of their head and drop it in the offering as they went by. And they were amazed by this and they finally asked someone, What's the deal with this? They said, Well, here we teach people that everyone's got something to give to God. And you catch that. Catch that. That every one of us has something. Don't always think it's money and I've got to pay my way. What about holding a door open? What about a kind word? What about helping someone? What about driving the bus? What about serving a coffee? What about holding a child in a nursery? Here's the truth. Look at this. The only reason you wouldn't have enough is because you haven't given If you're sitting here tonight and saying, I have nothing to give, it's because you haven't given. Because the Bible says in giving, you shall receive good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You see, church isn't a buffet line. Feed me. Come on, I see how we come in. We come in with our tray and we start one end. And forget the plate, we'll just use the tray. Come on, man, and we're just piling everything on the tray. Forget the plate, we're just grabbing everything that we can. But think about this, if church was a buffet line, it would still need someone to prepare the food and cook. It would still need someone to serve the food. It would still need someone to clean up the mess. So even if church was a buffet line, it would still need people to serve. What is church? Church is where we can use our gifts and talents to serve God and others. And if you're not sure of what they are, if you're not sure of your gifts and talents, give us four weeks. Listen to me. Give us four weeks. That's what we're asking. We're asking you to give us four weeks through our growth track. It's every Sunday at 11 o'clock. Because if you're wanting to get involved in church, but you feel a little bit confused about where and how, come on, Growth Track is an amazing opportunity because it answers the questions. I'm telling you, join us each week and we'll unveil to you your giftings and we'll help you to live out the abundant life that God has for you. Four weeks, I believe, can change your life. So many people today don't know their God-given purpose and therefore they're not given that. And they're living bankrupt, spiritually, emotionally, physically, because it's coming to them, but it's not flowing through them, that they don't realize they're the link between God and other people. Come on, it happens every Sunday, 11 o'clock. It's free, it costs nothing. We give you the books, we give you the materials. You're not going to be asked questions. You're not going to be put on the spot. You just come in and sit down. And we're going to take you through that course. In the classroom, right by the ladies' restroom, right there. The new area that we've just built. What else do we know about church? Church is where we can put into action our relationship to create an atmosphere For others too to experience God. Look at Moses. Moses sees a burning bush one day. He's on the backside of the wilderness. And look what it says. But Moses said to God, God has called him and said, I want you to deliver my people. And here's Moses' answer. Moses said, But who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Doesn't that sound familiar to most of us? Who am I? How could God use me? What do I possibly have To offer. And God replies, verse 12 God says, I will certainly be with you. Come on, that's all you need to know. God with you is not a minority, God with you is a majority. But then even into the next chapter, Moses is still a little bit unsure of what to happen. And he said in Exodus 4, verse 1 and 2, he says, And then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me, or they won't listen to my voice. Suppose they will say to me, The Lord has not appeared to you. Verse 2, God's reply says, And the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? Moses said, A rod. Here's my question for you tonight. What's in your hand? Maybe it's a hammer. Maybe it's a computer. Maybe it's a baby. I'm telling you, and you need to hear me, God wants to use what He has already placed in your hand to build His church. You have talents, giftings, and abilities that are in your hands That no one else has. And God wants to use them to build his church. What was in Moses' hand? A rod. What was a rod? It was a tool of being a shepherd. What did God use Moses for? To be a shepherd. To lead his people out of bondage. God used what Moses knew. God has given you those talents. Those gifts and abilities. For what purpose? To use them in his hand. Have you ever thought about where your talents come from? Well, I got that from my mom, got that from my dad, learned that at school, did that. Okay, that's really cool. Where'd you get your mom and dad from? Where'd you get your brain from to learn that at school? The reality is this everything that you have comes by the hand of God. God has blessed you. And here's the beauty of it. Are you ready? God allows me to use my talents and giftings, what I'm good at, to provide for my family. But it shouldn't just stop there. Because God also wants us to make provision of those things for His house. To use those things to build His house. You know what we see from Scripture? God needed Moses. But you know what God needed more than just Moses? He needed for Moses to be obedient to Him. God needs you. But what he needs more than you just knowing he needs me is for you to say, I want to be obedient. Because Moses had to trust God and use what he had been given and the rest is history. Do you realize we can rewrite history? We can make history. We can change history. This community, this area, this city. If we would take the talents and the giftings that God has given us and use them to serve His house. So I'm almost done. Luke six thirty-eight from the Message Bible. Here's a, the principle of giving. And incidentally, it's not written about money. This scripture, but it applies to money and tithing and giving, because it's the principle of giving. It says, "Give away your life, and you'll find life that will be given back. But not just merely given back, but given back with bonus and blessing." Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. Let me say that again. Give away your life and you'll find life given back. But not merely just given back, but given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Because generosity begets generosity. So let me bring this to a close tonight. As we give... God's promise is blessing. As we give, God blesses. So my challenge is this. My cry as a pastor is this. And I'm not just saying this because, you know, I I know there's needs in the church. I'm telling you, I am saying this for you more than me. Yes, we need you. But God needs you to be obedient. Listen, don't just attend. Give your life so others... Can not only attend, but they too can experience God. Because look at this statement serving in his house is one of the greatest pathways into living a wide open, spacious life. Remember what Paul said we're living small, but God didn't make us small. You need to move into a wide open, spacious life. I'm telling you, serving in his house is one of the greatest tools and pathways. That you can have to see your life expand and grow. Why? Because you will never outgive God. Never outgive God. We're so excited tonight because those are prepared to be baptized, and maybe tonight God's dealing with you and your heart, and you want to do that. We call baptism the wedding ring of salvation. It doesn't make you saved, but it just shows the world. It's a public declaration of what God has done inside of your life. Come on, it's a result of an inward change. Because it's a life and anything that's given to God will never be the same again. And we're going to go into that in a few moments. But just before we do, look at me. Don't dig a hole. Do not dig a hole and bury what God has given you. Because if you hold on to it, that's all you're going to have. But then when you release it, then God has the opportunity to multiply it and bless your life. Come on, use it to build his house. I want to see people transition from just attending church to serving their church. You need to sign up for Growth Track tonight in the Connect Zone. Be there this Sunday. 11 a.m., be there. If you've already attended Growth Track, are you serving on a dream team? Be a part of a dream. Why do you call them dream team? Because we believe you can live a dream. You can live your dream and see it fulfilled as you touch other people's life. Come on, you need to be serving. And here's what we encourage you. 9 or 11 o'clock service, you can worship and serve. Come on, all my kids, we worship and serve. Our whole family, we worship and serve. My kids are in for one Sunday on service on Sunday and they're serving somewhere in the church because that's what we're teaching them. That's what we're believing and that's what we want to see in your hearts and lives. Would you bow your heads all over this place?